Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Just had Brian Lawton on the show, uh, who has confirmed that he's not returning to the NHL Network. He was once the general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, working at that time for Oren Kulis and Tyson Berry. I was unaware that Lawton did not know those guys before the process had started for him to become the GM. He is the general manager that uh, drafted uh, Steven Stamkos, number one, and... Uh, basically vetoed his scouts and told them, no, we're taking Victor Hedman and not Matt Duchesne, second overall in 2009. That was the year that Tavares uh, went number one, and Stamkos and Tavares inexplicably uh, linked, obviously, uh, the fact that many thought that Stamkos would end up in Toronto, or some thought maybe even San Jose back in 2016, and instead he stayed in Tampa Bay, and how much did that alter the course and direction of things? And you might make the same argument, what would have happened if Edmonton just had not gone after, you know, not created the, the mechanism and space and window to go get Milan Lucic, and it was just stuck with Taylor Hall, and then just signed a defenseman instead of trading Hall for uh, Adam Larson, because that happened on this day six years ago today. You heard Brian say it, he was very bullish on the orders all year long, he had Edmonton as a dark horse to win the Stanley Cup. They went into the Final Four. Good year, but now it's incumbent upon the organization to get better. We welcome back to the show a cult of hockey writer from the Edmonton Journal, David Staples. David, how are you doing? I'm good, Bob. How are you doing? Good. What do you remember about that day uh, six years ago today? Ooh, there was a lot of shock. <laughs> wasn't there. It was. There was a lot of shock yeah. in Edmonton with that trade. And... Um, you know, it's an interesting trade. Adam Larson turned out to be a very good defenseman for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, he had a couple rough years in the middle with the passing of his father and some injuries. Um, but by the end, like I be, I became a real uh, fan of Adam Larson, like the tough brand of hockey that he played. And I was very upset when he, he decided to move on to Seattle. Um, but that worked out too with Cody Ceci coming here. So it's funny how things work out. I mean, um, after his first year in Edmonton, uh, the Oilers did very well in the playoffs 2017, and people were thinking that the Oilers got a win out of that trade. And that changed with um, Hall having a great year, winning the MVP uh, the next year, I think, and uh, Larson's injuries. But it, it kind of went back and forth on that trade. And I, I, and I think in the end that it wasn't certainly wasn't a disaster for the Oilers. In a lot of ways, the Oilers uh, got a, a good player uh, for a decent amount of time. And, um, you know, Taylor Hall's had kind of had an inconsistent career since that time. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned Cody Ceci, and I, I know people know the story now. Uh, the Oilers just, you know, Pete Chiarelli had conversations with Peridorian about Taylor Hall for Cody Ceci. Now, at yeah. that point, Ceci was seen as more of an offensive defenseman, and he's really progressed into a good two-way defenseman now. I think that, you know, when CC signed last year, everybody was down on the, like, what are the Oilers doing? Like, why? And, and I, I think, you know, first year of the deal, there's something.
something about D-Man when they get to 28, 29, 30, they kind of figured out if they can skate a bit. And and I think we're, we're, we're probably going to see that with Kulak. Like, you know, uh, Sherratt got a number one for Montreal, Kulak a number two. There's no question Kulak was a way better fit in Edmonton than Ben Sherratt was with Florida. But uh, it, it is funny how it works out because I think you'd agree, CC certainly performed this past season. Yeah, I didn't really have any idea how he was going to play, but there was good reports out of Pittsburgh with Cody Cece, and and well, by the end, Bob in the playoffs, he was the Oilers' best defenseman in the playoffs with Darnell Nurse hurt. He was playing the tough minutes, and he was getting the job done. Cody Cece was outstanding, and the fact that they have him on a you know a value contract, what is it, uh, three more years at three point five? Yes. Um, that's great news for the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, you got you have a guy who's capable of playing against tough competition. Uh, on the top pairing, holding his own, looking like a good NHL player, and you have him on that contract. I mean, it, it, this turns out to be. I mean, I wouldn't trade Adam Larson or Cody Cece for Adam Larson right now. That's how well, and I thought a ton of Adam Larson. So he came in, and I, he, uh, you hardly hear. All you hear is people say that guy is a good hockey player in Edmonton. There's it's the consensus, and it's, this is rare for a defenseman because people are all over the place in terms of their evaluation of defensemen. But uh, there's just a, a mass consensus, I think, that Cody Cece really came through for the Oilers. And I think there's a mass consensus that Kulak was a very good acquisition as well. I agree with that. And, and you know, he's he's a fantastic skater. He moves the puck well. Uh, he and Tyson Berry were... In terms of a third pairing, they were really strong in the playoffs. Tyson Berry played his best hockey with the Oilers, with Kulak at his side. So there, there might have been something there in terms of the chemistry between those two players. And I agree with you, completely agree with you, Bob, about that idea that you get these defensemen 27, 28, 29. They have that this window of about three, four years when they hit there where they're going to play their best hockey. They just they know how to make – they know the game slows down for them, it looks like. They make the correct reads. They stop gambling so much. They play sound positional hockey. Kulak's going to be there. And so if they sign Kulak um, – that would be great news because I think he's right there where there's a possibility. I mean, he's always been a bo- pretty much a bottom-pairing defenseman in the NHL. Uh, he played up, I guess, in Montreal a little bit this year. But he, there's a chance that if the Oilers need him, he's going to be able to step into the second pairing or even the first pairing for a amount of time like he did in Game 6 against L.A. and provide value, you know, get the job done in a, in a much tougher role uh, for the next few years. So we'll see what happens there. The game I remember with Kulak taking, you know, greater responsibility was against Pittsburgh, where the Edmonton had, had lots of scoring chances. They couldn't score on Merzlichkins. Here's where I tell the listeners, I've had multiple Oiler players tell me that Merzlichkins is an underrated goalie in the league. They think he's pretty good. And, you know, Edmonton lost that game to Columbus after playing their hearts out for the four previous games to get into the playoffs. So they clinched the playoff spot against Colorado at home in a 6-3 win. We flew in and played an afternoon game on the Sunday in Columbus and the teams you know the team didn't have any finish David well then they went into Pittsburgh and Kulak was paired with CeCe the Oilers won that game 5-1 it wasn't really a 5-1 game McDavid had four points but Kulak and CeCe were unbelievable in that game against Pittsburgh like the you know what the pink 
Kulak, they, they stopped every cycle. They they didn't give up the blue line. It was an impressive performance. Bouchard had a big game. He scored a goal. He had another one uh, pulled off the board. Like, it was it was pretty, because Nurse was out for the final four games of the regular season after Edmonton, you know, clinched the playoff spot. So it was pretty intriguing to see how it all happened. And I thought that bode well for the Oilers. Uh, just, you know, in terms of, under, you know, with, with Kulak and the potential to get him signed. And I, I know you remember uh, the scoring chances in the games against Columbus and Pittsburgh back-to-back. I don't remember them. Kulak, Kulak is, he's, how about this, Bob? He's a poor man's Jay Bomeister. I mean, he's a little smaller, and he's not as good, but he's that style of defenseman. A, a strong, uh, puck-moving, uh, sound, uh, fundamentally sound defenseman who can really, really, really skate. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see. Like, I don't know. Like, there's, is he going to come here, or go to Montreal, go back to Montreal? We'll see where where he ends up, what he what he gets paid, all these things have to be worked out yet. But if he does come back, I mean, Bob, I spent the playoffs lobbying for him to be played again, ahead of Darnell Nurse. Nurse was struggling so much um, often during the playoffs because of his injuries, right? It's nothing against Darnell Nurse. It was his injuries that were holding him back. And it just it struck me that Kulak was a guy who could possibly fill in and, and do a decent job with Cody Cece on the top pairing in the playoffs. So I, I was thinking a lot of him then, and I, I, I do now. So... Uh, I have my fingers crossed that he, he will be back as an oiler. So, David, you mentioned Larson going to Seattle. There was another player that went to Seattle. Uh, that when he signed there, was like, oh, no. And that was Grubauer. Because I wanted Grubauer to stay in Colorado. Yeah. And I knew that Colorado would end up targeting Darcy Kemper. Okay? And they got him. And part of the reason why they got him is that the prospect, Connor Timmons, that was included in the trade was drafted by Alan Heppel, who's now with Arizona, and was the director of scouting for Colorado when they drafted Tim. And so I'm going to put you on the spot here. Darcy Kemper did not kill it. I'm not convinced Darcy's going to sign with Colorado. Would you, if you're the Oilers, would you look at Darcy Kemper? Well, yes. I, I mean, there was this eye issue, I guess, during the playoffs, right? He he got an eye injury against Nashville and was seeing an eye doctor after that. So, you know, these are, these are all the things that we, you would have to investigate and do due diligence. But he has been a good goalie in the NHL for a long time. My only concern is this, Bob. Like, I, I didn't think they were going to be able to get Evander Kane back with the Oilers. And it looks like now there's an outside possibility this is this is the case. And if you get Kane... Like so, where are you going to put your money? How many more big contracts can you put out there? Kane's going to get—he's he, going to get paid. He's going to have a big contract. Either the orders take over the contract from San Jose and a trade, or there's a new contract for Kane. It's Seven million dollars a year if they take over the contract from San Jose. How many big contracts can you have on the team? They've got all of these players. They've got Norse coming up, Drysaddle, Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, McDavid. Lots of money going out. Can you have both? Pay the money that would. Uh, take to keep Evander Kane and also pay for a goalie. And if you do that, what does that mean? Like, let's say Stuart Skinner does turn out and Dylan Holloway and Philip Broberry and Evan Bouchard and some of these other players. What does it mean if you have all of these players uh, sign on these big contracts? Are you going to be able to keep them? Or are you going to be like Toronto and say, okay, bye, Zach Hyman, goodbye, Jack Campbell this year? They probably want to keep both those players, but they can't. So my only concern is... Where do you put the money this summer? Do you put it in net? Do you put it in another forward? Or can you do both? And I'm just skeptical they can do both on long-term deals and then keep some of these young players as they develop. It's a fair perspective to have. What I would suggest to you is I do expect Edmonton ultimately might have a little bit more wiggle room than people think. 
that's that's where I'm coming you keep, from. You keep saying that. So, yeah, everyone's putting a lot of stock in that, Bob. I mean, you have said that probably, what, 15, 30, 20 times in the last two weeks. So, and, seven. And, you know, we'll seven. see. Seven times. Um, so we'll see. And I'm sure that you have the inside information about this and you have an inkling of what they might do. And and, and there, there does seem to be some options in this regard. Like, you know, there are there are players that have some value in the Oilers that they could move who like Tyson Berry. There's there's Fogel. There's Zach Cassian. So maybe they can they can find uh, ways to move some of these players out and, and not have them moved out on poison pills. And in Barry's case, even get a good player in return. So we'll see. I guess we'll see. Absolutely. Um, geez, i got to read this text, David, just from KDK. Bob, Hall winning the MVP in 2018 was just another example of the NHL sticking into the Oilers. Hall did not deserve to win the heart and was not the most valuable to his team. The absence of Hall was not the reason the Oilers struggled the loss of Sekra as their number one defenseman, and the management's inability to replace him was the driving force behind the Oilers' subsequent struggles the next couple of seasons, says KDK. Anybody who still believes the Oilers lost the Hall-Larson trade is analyzing emotionally rather than logically. I completely agree with KDK about the narrative around Hall that year. It was all about the Oilers screwing up. And part of the, part of Hall winning that year, he had a really good year. And he led New Jersey to the playoffs. But part of the reason he won was the narrative around him that Peter Shirelli was a big screw-up, had made a mistake. All the analytics guys hated Peter Shirelli. And part of this was sticking the knife into him for this trade. And that's part of the reason well, Hall won. McDavid was clearly a better player that year. Uh, you know, you had guys that were media personalities with national platforms in the States that liked the New Jersey Devils. Wyshynski, yeah. Right? Like, he was one of the guys out there. I don't mind, Greg. Like, he's... Yeah. I kind of, like, you know, I... So, it, it's it's just an interesting uh, perspective to have. Bob, the Oilers should offer sheet Jake Ottinger. Uh, I don't know how you can do that. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, there we go. Uh, Jim, thinking. Dave, David Staples, give me a break. Pete Shirelli should have been tarred and feathered for making that trade. An elite forward for just an above-average defenseman. That one comes to us from Jimbo. Yeah, you know, it's probably that's it's probably fair to say that the Oilers that was not a great trade, and the, the whole thing with signing Lucic, as you mentioned earlier, it just cascaded into a, a couple of really tough years for the Oilers in the end. But yeah. Bob, the Oilers made the playoffs that first year with Milan Lucic in the lineup, scored twenty three goals. Adam Larson, yeah, with, yeah, with Adam Larson, and that's what triggered McDavid and Drysaddle long term contracts here in Edmonton. If the Oilers, let's say the Oilers didn't make the playoffs that oh. year. So what happens you might then? be on to something there. What happens then, right? Because the whole narrative around the franchise was so negative, and um, you don't get Connor McDavid's. You know, I think he was probably going to sign because that's the the kind of guy he seems to be. But you just never know when you're trying to rewrite history. You have to be careful about that. And the fact that Lucic helped them have a winning season, which is, I think, a fair comment was a huge factor and the the success they had in the playoffs huge factor in McDavid signing that contract long term uh, I don't know if you heard Dave, uh, Brian Lawton in the last segment you know that Brian was one of the guys that was uh, bullish on the orders at the start of the year and he remains so now you know he is convinced that the orders are going to win a Stanley Cup and, and you know Brian's a guy that drafted 
Stamkos and Hedman. Didn't listen to the scouts on Hedman. They wanted to take the Tampa Bay scouts that time, wanted to take uh, Matt Duchesne at number two, and he took Hedman. And he believes that the makeup of Connor and Leon will ultimately drive Edmonton to winning uh, a Stanley Cup. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, it, it, it sounds like Brian Lawton's getting a management job in the NHL, and who's ever hiring him is making a really good decision. You know, just listening to that guy on Oilers now the last few years, he, he, he's just, he, he's, he knows the league. He's a sharp guy. He understands analytics. He understands the strengths and the weaknesses of analytics. Um, so whatever happens with, with Brian Lawton, good luck to him, and they're, you're get, making a good hire who's ever doing it. Um, yeah, I, Bob. I, I, I was. I, I predicted after the you know the Flames win, I, I predicted the Oilers would beat the Flames, and then I thought the Oilers would win the Cup. I thought that McDavid was going to drive them to a Cup this year, in these playoffs. That that what we were seeing from him was so unusual in a player. And, but I hadn't been watching Colorado closely enough, obviously, because um, they have some pretty special players in that city as well. So now there's this huge challenge. Uh, for the Edmonton Oilers to climb Mount Avalanche. And um, it's going to be a, such a compelling story in the next few years, whether the Oilers can do this, is, is meet the challenge of beating the Avalanche, which is such a fantastic team, which has Devin Taves locked up for two years and McCarr locked up, Bowen Byram. They, like they're, this defense core that they have, that, which just motors this team forward, they're there, they're not going anywhere. And it's going to be a real interesting thing for the Oilers. But I, what I saw from McDavid, and if Nurse and Drysdale had been healthy, if the big three on this team had been healthy in these playoffs, the Oilers would have come close to beating Colorado. I don't think they would have beat them from what I've seen. It might have, it would have gone six or seven games. So next year, when McDavid, if they're all healthy, McDavid, Drysdale, and Nurse, and some of these younger players start coming through, yeah, I think the Oilers can beat the Avs eventually, maybe as quickly as next year. I got David. It's there's one way it's going to happen. The team has to get better efficiency out of all contracts. That's the way it's going to have to happen for Edmonton, and that is going to be the gist of what needs to happen this off season. Is can they move out a couple inefficient contracts and get better performing contracts? That's what it's going to come down to for me. Uh, you know, they hit the home like Hyman was a really good signing. They hit the home run with Kane becoming available. They're going to have to get creative to keep Kane here, and then they're going to have to move out some money and bring in some other players at lesser dollar values, um, and they're going to have to uh, ultimately get a solution in goal as well. Well, Holland talked about the plan A, Bob, is for some of these younger players like Philip Broberry and Dylan Holloway, Ryan McLeod, to get better. And, and I think he's just dead on. He's correct about that. This is how the Edmonton Oilers are going to have to improve. Now, can they do some stuff with these veteran players on contracts and bring in some better veterans on better contracts? Yeah, fingers crossed. But I think Holland's plan A is the right plan A. Um, when you have a team with so many big contracts already, you, you kind of have to rely on the young guys. But the, the good news is the Oilers have lots of really great young guys coming up, bubbling up, uh, due to some strong drafting by that team in the last um uh, six seven years so it's all good news bob i think uh, well that's good to hear David. for a long time and i'm certainly there now all right good stuff how do people follow you at d staples on twitter there you go thanks david thanks bob thanks bob well, yeah 124 at edmonton coming up at 135 to be closer to 134 john shannon our nhl insider for legacy heating and cooling and at 145 today luke prokop named the major junior humanitarian of the year yesterday you're listening to orders now 
All right, back into the Ashley Fine Floors text line. And taking issue uh, with KDK is Phil, a.k.a. Fear the Fin. He's a San Jose Sharks fan. Can you ask KDK if he thinks the NHL stuck it to the Oilers, as he said they always do, when Gary Bettman gave Edmonton Connor McDavid? KDK, quit whining. That texture comes, uh, text comes to us uh, from... Phil, a.k.a. Fear the Finn fan. And Haji has texted us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, and he says, Bob, it's way too easy to have revisionist history when you ask now about the Hall Larson trade. That being said, the comments made by other GMs post-trade still haunt me to this day. It will never be known how much Taylor Hall was shopped, but there were multiple NHL general managers who indicated they were not aware that Hall was on the market. I don't think fans would have minded the trade as much if they knew that uh, any and all options were being explored to create more of a market for Hall. I think Shirelli's this was the price comment following the narrative that some GMs were not aware that Hall was available really rubbed the fans the wrong way. That one comes to us from Haji. And again, I know that St. Louis... Uh, it was an organization that was in on Taylor Hall. They also wanted the first round pick for one of their right shot D. Can text us at 780-496-0063. Callan Spruce Grove says, Bob, Keith Gretzky really improved their drafting. Well, it was Gretzky that got Yamamoto and Skinner in 2017 when he headed up the draft, and in 18 uh, got Bouchard and McLeod. Those guys all appear to be pretty big parts of the Edmonton Oilers organization. And Greg from Spruce Grove says, I really like the trade for Adam Larson. We could have got more for Hall, but he needed to go. And I think that Todd McClellan had something to do with it. Hall, says this texter, Greg, from Spruce Grove, is poisoned in the dressing room. Boston's the best place for him now. He won't get away with it there. That's Marshawn's job, laugh out loud, from Greg and Spruce Grove. I got to tell you, I never, Greg, I read your text. I never heard once that Taylor was bad in the room. We got a lot of people that seem to know what happens in the Oilers' room that were never in the Oilers' room. So I, I've, I've always kind of gristled at that suggestion. I read your text. I personally disagree with that sentiment. I will tell you that Adam Larson's a great guy. He was a really good dude. All right, off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell back with John Shannon when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.